Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that we are the people of God that love your word. And we love truth. And I thank you, Father, that the truth that we continually learn in this place, that we will go home and put into practice day in and day out. Father, I pray that you will guide your word this morning. May it be real, may it be true, may it be hard, may it be straight to the point. And may it be clear. And may the anointing of God rest upon this word this morning. And Lord, we'll continue to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And everyone said, Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, um, just put on your lap one minute. Just put it on your lap one minute. Last week, Pastor Steve began a series of, of, of strengthening your grip. Last week, we, he talked about godliness and how that is one of the areas in, in, in our country, in our church, in the church of Jesus Christ, that we seem to be slipping away from, where we, we're getting sloppy in, in the things that we say and the things that we, we know that are godly or ungodly. So he started the series last week talking about strengthening our grip and particularly he was talking about godliness in that in that sermon he's asked me to go ahead and continue with the series as we talk this morning and and the thing we're going to be talking about this morning is called commitment commitment strengthening our grip in the area of commitment let me just say this as we go into the, the, the scripture and I hope you do have your Bibles on your lap because we're gonna to go to a couple of places this morning and so that uh, in your bulletin, I think on the back of one of the, the, the announce, one of the fly-in, there's a room for, to make notes. You may need it this morning. If you need a pen, just slip your hand up. Uh, one of the ushers will come down later on and give you, uh, give you a pen. But the, the things we're going to be talking about this morning are, are crucial if we are going to live our, our victorious Christian life. And so this morning we're going to be talking about strengthening your grip or strengthening our grip on commitments. There are many commitments that God requires us or calls of us uh, in the kingdom of God. But there are some commitments that are fundamental in our Christian walk. And if we, if we change the order of priority when it comes to these commitments, we will get ourselves in a mess. So if you have a piece of paper and, and a pen, I'm going to give you the order of priority that the Bible teaches when it comes to this area of commitment. You are not called to be committed to everything. Shake your head yes. If you are committed to any, everything, you are out of balance. And you will get hurt, you will get frustrated, and, you'll, and, you'll, and you'll end, your life will end up in chaos. You are not called to be committed to everything that goes on in the church. Shake your head yes. If you are in the church seven days a week, you are out of order. That means there's something you're running away from. And he could be sitting next to you. <laughs> there are certain things that God has committed us to do, that we need to be committed to. But if we don't put them in the right order, they are all good. But outside the right order, they can, you become unbalanced and unbiblical. The message this morning is for Christians. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this doesn't apply to you. By the end of the meeting though, you may say, you know what, that's what I want. 
and you have an opportunity to come up and give your heart to the Lord and so that these commitments become your commitments but if you are a Christian and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and God Jehovah God is your God if the Bible is first place in your life and the bottom line is this you can't be a Christian outside of the Bible so when people say I, I, I'm a Christian I love God but I just don't like that Bible that Bible shows you how to get saved so here's the order of priority when it comes to God our first commitment to God uh, our first commitment in our lives is number one our commitment to God that's your first priority so on the top of your page write number one God number two your second priority when it comes to the kingdom of God is your marriage Put number two, marriage. If you are single, put number two, marriage slash single. Number three, children. Number four, your job. That means you have to have one. job number five your church in the order of priority in the kingdom of God if you want your life to be nice and balanced the idea is, is your number one your walk with God is number one in your life number two is your marriage or your singleness number three I almost forgot your children number four your work or job number five your church or ministry I want to touch on each of those five uh, uh, commitments this morning because it, it is in those commitments that we need to strengthen our grip so if you have your Bibles turn with me to Matthew chapter 22 Matthew chapter 22 and we will begin at verse 34 Matthew chapter 22 beginning at verse 34 So commitment number one is your commitment to God. Lift your head in one minute. Right next to that word that you put God, I want you to put in parenthesis, reflection. Reflection. Lift, lift your head in one minute when you write that. Every single one of us as, as human beings were created to worship something. Every one of us as human beings was created to worship, listen to me carefully, a God. We were all created, that's how God created us. 
we were created to worship a God. Notice I didn't say Jesus. We were all created to worship a God. You and I have to get to a place to decide which God will we serve. So our number one, our highest commitment in the kingdom of God, when it comes to the kingdom of God, and when it comes to living as a Christian, is that you and I need to be committed to God. Because out of that commitment comes all the other commitments. If we're not committed to God, we will not be committed to anything else. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is what verse, uh, this is what verse 37 says in, in, in the Amplified Bible. And he replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, in the bracket, intellect. The greatest commandment that Jesus said is this, You need to love your God with everything you have. Listen to me carefully. You will either love God with everything, or he will accept nothing. It is our responsibility as the number one commitment to make sure that we are loving God and wanting to be obedient to his word in every area of our lives. That's why I tell young girls and young guys all the time, when you're looking for a spouse, make sure, and the thing you need to be looking at, not how pretty they look, is this, how well do they love God? How well do they love God? Because how well are they obedient to the word? That commitment to the word of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ will dictate everything that happens in your life. Our first commitment is a commitment to God. So that our lives are reflection, are a reflection of our God. Now if you look at your, if we look at ourselves individually if you if you if you don't like what you see you are a reflection of what you worship If all you see is a, a nice ring a, a nice watch a nice suit a nice dress you are a reflection of your god wealth If what tickles your muscles are your nice car and your nice house, that is your God. You are a reflection of the God you worship. What are you reflecting? A person who isn't willing to focus his or her life on Christ will continually struggle in his commitment to God. We are getting to a place in, in, in the earth right now that as Christians, we have to make com certain commitments because the enemy is going to demand it of you and I. And one of the things he's demanding of you and I right now is this, which God will you serve? 
turn with me quickly you're in Matthew go back to uh, me to Matthew chapter 6 in Matthew chapter 6 Jesus uh, uh, warns his disciples and, 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 and warns us Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 no one can serve two masters lift your head up one minute if you and I are not fully committed to God we will never be we will never have our roots in the word the Bible says and Jesus says you and I cannot serve two masters but we go around trying to do it we can't serve two masters follow with me in, in verse 24 I'm gonna read it out of the Amplified the reason why I like Amplify, and I want to encourage you as Christians, make sure you get an Amplify Bible. The Amplify Bible is in such a way that when you, when you play the fool, and you act like you don't know what it says, the Amplify makes it simple. That's why I like the Amplify for. Listen to what it says in verse 24 as you follow in your Bible. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammal, and in the parenthesis it says deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is in or, or, or whatever is trusted in. Lift your head on one minute. You can know what is your God by the thing you put your trust in. The thing you put your trust in is your God. And he says that it can be your possessions. For some of us, it can be your children. When I sometimes hear people say, my, my children are my life. Yes? My job is my life. The money I make, it's my life. Nothing wrong with those things. But God does not want us to put our trust, our faith, our reliance on those things. As you and I know, those things, those things can disappear. And the people who collapse when those things disappear, you can tell they had their faith in that. Jesus said you can't, you can't serve two masters. So we have to make this commitment in our lives. And, 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 and I was just talking to one of my, my, my friends this morning. We have to make a commitment in our lives and say, you know what? This walk of Jesus Christ, this word of the Lord is something that I am going to commit my life to for the rest of my life. Even if everybody else says they're going a different way, I am committed to God. It has to be that kind of radical way. Because things are getting tough. And if God is not your full commitment, listen to me carefully. You and I will compromise. If we're not convinced about the God of the Bible.
commitment number one. Commitment number two. I am committed to my marriage or my singleness. Singles, I'll explain that to you in a minute. I am committed to my marriage. Lift your head one minute, look at me. Right off the top of the bat, you need to be able to say, I don't care what's going on in my marriage right now. I am committed to my marriage. If you're married, stand up. This statement, you may have to say it by faith. But I want you to say it. As God is my help, that is weak. As God is my help, I am committed to my marriage till death. Have a seat. The most important relationship, listen to me carefully, the most important relationship after your love of God is your marriage. Now you may say, Pastor, well, 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 you, I, I, you don't know what's going on in my marriage. That's all right. If you have, a, if, as we go through this, if there's something going on in your marriage and it's, it's unique, then you need to seek out counsel. But the bottom line is this. In the order of priority, in the order of commitment in the kingdom of God, your marriage comes right after your love of God. What do I mean by that? Your husband comes right after your love of God. Your wife comes right after your love of God. Your children do not come before your spouse. Don't say anything, don't shake. Just look straight. We'll know, we'll, we won't even know that you. Turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. This is one of those messages that I don't want any amens. I don't want you to clap. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to pay attention and listen. Matthew chapter 5. Excellent. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 21. Ephesians 5, 21. Now listen to me while you turn. Whether you are single, whether you are marriage, this is the place, this is the ground base, or what are you going to say, What's this? this is the, there you go. This is the foundation of every relationship. Whether you're single or married. Verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Lift your head one minute. 
as you go into every relationship, this is the, this is the approach. You know, when I, when I always say that a plane will land successfully based on the approach to the runway. You either crash and burn or you'll land safely. Every relationship, whether you're married or single, every relationship you go into, it will depend on the approach you go into that relationship. And the approach the Bible tells us is that we, we need to be approaching every relationship in the reverent fear of God. That means everyone you go into a relationship with, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a job, whatever it is, we need to be respecting people. Before we go into any kind of relationship. Some of us have no friends because we have no respect. We are rude. We are unconsiderating, uh, unconsiderate with other people. Their time. Their property. There needs to be a healthy respect going into every relationship. And then he, he starts off. I'm going to start off with the husbands this morning. If you are a husband, stand to your feet. Listen to me carefully. God has made you the head of your home. Don't say, well, I don't feel that way. Forget about that for a minute. Let's get the principle first. God has made you the head of your home. And he has given you and I the same responsibility. If the church is to survive, it will survive because husbands will stand up and be men. Women, sit still. I'm coming to you in a minute. This is what the Bible says about husbands. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Verse 25. Husbands, say that's me. Guys, say that's me. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. You know, usually I, I would read that. And, and, and as I, I, but one thing that caught my heart when I, when I was preparing for the first time. Notice it says in the Amplified, and gave himself up. And gave himself up. That means there are some things, guys, that look at me, that you and I are to give up. You say, Well, Pastor, I don't want to. You, you need to give up. If you're going to be able to love your wife like Christ loved the church, you and I, we have the same responsibility. We have to be able to give up certain things. You can't be the same as you were when you were single. You can't go to the places you used to go when you were single. You can't give as much time to those things you gave yourself to when you were single. The Bible says you need to give up some things. And specifically, give it up for your wife. Well, pastor, she doesn't deserve it. What is she giving up for me? It doesn't matter what she's giving up for you. God has required you and I to give up.
Verse 26, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water by the word. Verse 28, even so a husband should love his wife as being in sense their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Verse 29, for no man ever hates his own flesh but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it. We are called to nourish, protect, and cherish. But you say, Pastor, what about her? It doesn't matter about her. This is your mission. This is your goal. To nourish, to cherish, to protect. You say she doesn't want to be protected. Protect her. Verse 33, however, let each man of you, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as in, as being in a sense, his very own self. You and I, when I heard that, do you know what God is calling to us as men, as husbands to do? He's calling to us to a spirit of sacrifice. Jesus loved the church and gave up everything. Therefore, husbands, love your wives in the same manner. Be seated. Wives, stand to your feet. Listen to me carefully. You are called to submit. I'm going to read yours from the Amplified. Verse 22. Wives, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourself. I ain't adapting myself to any man. He's going to adapt himself to me. Who does he think? Wives, we are called, we are, you are called to subject and to submit yourself. Listen to me carefully. I did not say you are a floor rag. I did not say you need to submit yourself to a man that's kicking you around like a a football. I did not say you are to submit to abuse. But don't use that as an excuse not to submit. So he raises his voice to you and he says, ah, 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 you are abusing me. Don't use that as an excuse. And there are some situations where we will talk about it, yes. But notice what it says to you wives. Wives, be subject, be submissive and adapt yourself to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. You know the spirit that God is calling you women or you wives to? is a spirit of service. But I ain't serving no man. What about him? He doesn't serve me. That is your mission. Wives, he, he goes on to say, for the husband is the head. 
of the of the wife as Christ is the head of the church himself the savior of his body verse 24 as the church is subject to Christ as the church is subject to Christ so let wives also be in everything to their husbands that means if he tells you to do something that violates the word of God you have you don't have to do it but if the if it's all about preference you need to submit to that leadership he goes on to say in verse 30, uh, 33 listen to the wives you're not going to like this one however let each man of you without exception love his wife as being in a sense his very own self and this is what it says and let the wife see that she respects and reverence her husband that she notices him regards him honors him prefers him venerates him and esteems him and that she defers to him praises him loves him and admires him exceedingly no 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 because every husband here I, I dare you to go tell your wife what she needs to do when you leave here and that's the problem we're focusing on what the other person is supposed to be doing and not focusing on what you're supposed to be doing why did you hear that you need to treat your husband with respect you need to get an amplified Bible and everything they talks about there you need to say father as you as you give me the strength I will start practicing this be seated so he called the husband to, to a spirit of sacrifice. He calls the wife to a spirit of service. He calls us to those services and no sacrifice regardless of what the other party is doing. This is what God has called you to do. And that is what he's going to find out and judge us according to the mission that he called you as a husband or you as a wife to do. If you are single from the age of 16 to wherever, stand to your feet. Yeah. Every time we get into a place when we talk about marriage, we talk about relationships, uh, we sometimes we forget about the singles. But God never forgot about you. You have your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We'll come back to Ephesians in a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Look at verse 29. First Corinthians chapter 7 verse 29 but this I say brethren the time is short singles look at me the time is short the reason why God may have ha may have you right now as a single it doesn't mean you're not gonna get married 
But at every stage of your life as a single person, he is preparing you for total commitment to him. There's not, there's not to say that we're not going to go on to do other things in your life. You will, probably will go on and do other things in your life. But you need to understand in your singleness, time is short. Verse 29, but this I say, brethren, the time is short so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they have none. And those who weep as though they did not weep, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing, as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. Singles, listen to this part. But I want you to be without a care. In fact, let me go to the Amplifier for you. Verse 32, out of the Amplifier. My desire is to have you free from all anxiety and distressing care. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. What, sh what should be your focus as a single? Your focus as a single is this. God, what is it that you want me to do as I am right now in my singlehood? Paul says the person who is single, his focus is on the Lord. What does the Lord want? Let's continue, verse 33. But the married man is anxious about worldly matters, how he may please his wife. If you're married, God expected you to have distraction. And as a husband, your distraction is, how can I please my wife? But as a single, you don't have that distraction yet. Verse 34, and he is drawn to diverging, uh, dis, dis, direct, uh, he is drawn to diverging directions, his interests and divided and, and is distracted from his devotion to God. An unmarried woman or girl is concerned and anxious about matters of the Lord, how to be wholly separated and set apart in body and spirit for the Lord. If you are single, the goal of your singlehood right now is this. God, I am single right now. I may get married in down the road, but in my singleness, how am I finding out what God wants me to do with my life? As a single person, you need to be running after God as your first priority and then running after your own singleness. The Bible says your body is the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you. Therefore, glorify God with your body. You should be running after the plan of God for your life so that when God brings that person into your life, you will know who it is because that person will also be running after the things of God. And so you have two godly people, two godly singles running after God and at the point of the, pay, at the, point of the tip of the, of the triangle, you meet God and you meet each other. Your goal as a single is not to spend every wake of time on, uh, on, on e-harmony. It's not to spend all your time on, on, on uh, 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 um, about 50s. Uh, um, they have a name for them. Love at the right time or something like that. I just made that one up. 
Your goal is to find that God in my singleness, wherever I am right now, what is it that you want me to do with my life? Because he has a plan. You may be seated. And so the order of priority is always our love of God. Number two is our marriage or our singleness. Number three, your commitment to our children. Turn with me to Psalms 127. The book of Psalms 127. Psalm 127. Putting God as your first priority when it comes to commitment. Making your spouse number two on that level of commitment. We need to strengthen our grip on number three. Making a commitment to our children. Some of us, our children are broken. They are broken. Because as parents, we are not taking the time to parent our children. We're letting them grow up on their own. We're letting them make decisions on their own. And then getting surprised when they make dumb mistakes. Psalm 127 says this, starting from verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. I think it's in the NIV where it says your children, our children are gifts. Lift your head up and look at me one minute. No matter what you think about your child right now, God has said your children are gifts. And you need to speak words of faith sometimes every time you see that gift. Verse 4 uh, goes on to say, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of, uh, of one's youth. Happy is the man who have his quiver full of them. Pastor, I'm not very happy about my gift. Is there any way I can give my gift back? Our children are gifts to us. I know as a parent and you know as a parent is this. We don't always get it right. And some of the humbling, most humbling things for us is to sometimes go back and say to our children, I'm sorry. Some of you who have older children already, there's nothing you can do. They're already grown up and go. All you can do is to be able to go back and say, uh, honey, I'm sorry for what things I may have done and would you forgive me? And those that have kids right now, you and I just have to pray in, pray in, and pray out every day and say, God, give us the wisdom to be able to raise our children. But from now on, as, for, as we go forward from this day, on the line of priority, on the line of commitment, I make a commitment to my children right now. A commitment to our children means we will make time for them. Not make time as well as being on your laptop. 
not make time as well as being on your iPhones. Making time is, is talking about you and your kids going away from all the distractions of the world, even maybe to the park, even maybe just for a drive, and making a commitment to them and saying, Honey, here I am, here's dad, here's mom, I want to hear your heart. Especially as they move into the teen years. I remember when I was growing up in church, we were forced to come to church. It was none. Uh, I can imagine my mother saying to me, Honey, Henry dear, would you like to come to church? I mean, she would rip my behind up. And so my, 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 my thing is, is this. Uh, 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 as long as they're in your house, drinking your water, sleeping in your bed, eating your food, they're coming to church. But the reality is this is I've heard parents say over and over, well, I don't want to force my religion on anyone. Listen to me carefully. What you don't teach, the world will teach. And if that's what you want, go ahead. Go ahead. They will learn it, and then they will come and put it in your face, and there will be nothing you can do about it. Our number one responsibility, guys, is this, is your kids is not your job. Your job does not come before your children. You say, well, pastor, we need food to put on, money to put food on the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. That means when you are home, you're home. Turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 6. Book of Ephesians. chapter 6 those who are children and again these are, we're talking about children from 0 to 18 When I grew up in the church, it was, in our culture, it was rude to, to ask questions or talk back to our parents. So if our parents says, you go do this, it was rude for us to say, why? Listen to me carefully. Your teenagers are starting to grow. When they ask you, why do you say the things you do? Don't get angry with them. Don't get upset with them tell them the reason it doesn't change the fact they still have to do it but tell them the reason they have to have a reason for what they you, what you tell them to do why they're trying to learn they're trying to find out uh, 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 why you do the things you do so that when they grow up they will be able to explain it to their generation the Bible says train up a child it doesn't mean they won't have to do it. They still have to do it. But tell them the reason why. So when my boy, my boy, my boy is 16. My oldest boy is 16. I know full well he's going to like girls. Every now and again, I, when, I, when I'm driving and, and, and I look in the via, via, rear view mirror, I, I, I'm watching. I see him looking and checking them out. Why do you think that's abnormal? That is normal. 
So train him. Just because they're pretty and they have wigs, doesn't mean, I mean, just because they're pretty, doesn't mean everything that's pretty is for you. But train them. Train your teenage boys to understand they will like girls. That's all right. But train them how to control that urge and that passion. Train your teenage girls that they don't have, they have to be like Britney Spears and, and, and all the other people. Train them. There's nothing wrong with them wanting to be pretty. Would you rather them be ugly? Children. If you are a child in this room, up to 18 years old, stand up. We don't have anyone. Oh, we do have anyone. Oh, they're creeping up now. I made your parents stand up. Why do you think I'm going to make you stand up? Listen to what it says here. From the Amplified. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey. That means if they tell you to do something that, is, that doesn't violate the word of God, then you need to do it. Obey the, your parents in the Lord as he represents, as his representative, for this is just and right. Your parents are representatives of God. Now they may not always do the right thing. But they're representatives of God. Notice what it says there. About your parents children. Honor, esteem and value as precious your father and your mother. For uh, this is the first commandment with a promise. That you may live well, uh, that all may be well with you. And that you may live long on the earth. If you want to live long on the earth. Obey them. I tell my son all the time. I told, I told them when they were three, three or five, when they couldn't reach the phone. Do you want to live? <laughs> but the thing here, guys, is this. Live long on the earth is this. So that you will be able to fulfill the plan of God for your life. Because God has a plan for your life. And your parents will help guide you to that place. But on your behalf, I'm going to read verse 4. Every parent needs to know verse 4. Fathers and mothers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment. But rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. And all the kids said... Amen. I know you can't say it too loudly. Just slip back in your seat. We understand. But as parents, we should not be exasperating our, and, re, and, and building up to this thing of resentment in our kids. We need to be able to be spending time with them and listening to them and letting them ask our questions and then finding the answer and give it to them. The reason why we have a huge amount of people that leave the church after they become, teen, after they become 18 or go into college because there's a resentment that has been built up over the years. And the moment they get an opportunity to leave, they're out of here. So the order of priority is God, my marriage, or my singlehood, my children, the next one is my job. 
is my job. Turn with me quickly to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. A lot of times, it, it, we don't have a problem uh, um, with this area of, when it comes to our job. What, the problem we usually have is this, putting our work in the right place. Putting our work in the right priorities. As you turn there, let me just say this. If you are a parent and you have kids, God has given you that gift. That gift will not be trained and brought up the, the right way unless you're involved in their lives. And involved in their life doesn't mean you buy them the best gifts at Christmas. Or you give them everything because you feel guilty. You give them everything on their birthday. Here's a heart. Listen to this one. The Spirit of God once, once spoke to my heart and said this. You don't have to give everything to your children. They don't need the latest phones. They don't need the latest iPad. They don't need the latest computer. They don't need the latest of everything. What they need is you. So that means you may have to cut back so that you can be there. That means then we may have to have less so that we can be there. So that means everybody in the family has to understand that if we're going to be there, that means we may have to have less to be able to be there. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Starting from verse 7. Paul's writing here says, For you yourself know, I'm reading out of the Amplified, just follow. For you yourself know how it is necessary that how it is necessary to imitate our example. For we were for we were not disorderly or shrinked of duty when we were with you, when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and struggle we worked day and night and day that we might not be a burden or impose one uh, or impose on anyone uh, for our support. It was it was not because we did we do, we do not have the right to such support, but we wish to make ev- to make ourselves an example for you to follow. For while we were yet with you, we gave you this rule and charge. If anyone will not work, neither should he eat. Did you hear that? If anyone will not work, the Bible says they shouldn't eat. Now we understand that there are some people that have disability and other things that come up. That, that We're not talking about those people. We're talking about someone who is healthy and strong, has muscles, has a big mouth, and knows how to tell everybody else how they spend their money, but they themselves won't go work. And they will come to church and say, brother, in the name of Jesus, you know what the Bible says. That God met all their needs. Verse 11. 
Indeed, we hear that some among you are disorderly, that they are passing their lives in idleness, neglecting and neglectful of duty, being busy with other people's affairs instead of their own and doing no work. I ch now we charge and exalt such persons as ministers in him, exalting those in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Messiah, that they work in quietness and earn their own food and other necessities. It is, it is biblical for you to work. But your work does not, does not come before your wife, doesn't come before your children, doesn't come before your God. The work that you and I have is to meet our needs on earth so we can live on earth. But it doesn't substitute for you giving up your relationship with your spouse or with your children. And yes, every person should be working and desiring to work. And we'll pray for that this morning. Because we know some have lost their jobs. And they're not, they're not working because they don't want to work. They're not, they're, they're not working because they can't find jobs right now. That's different. And we'll lift you up in prayer this morning. So the order of priority is one, your love of God. Your love of your spouse or your singleness. Your children. Your job. And then number five. A commitment to your church or ministry. A commitment to your church or ministry. Uh, turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. In the church you find your reason for living. In the church, you find the plan of God for your life. In the ministry, the way you serve, you serve you, we learn how to be more like Christ. So priority number five is that you need to be in a good Bible-believing church and be serving in a ministry. A commitment to that. There's no such thing as coming to the church and not serving. There's no such thing as coming to the church and not finding a place to be able to serve in the kingdom of God. You and I are going to be held responsible for that when we get home. So the fifth commitment is a commitment to finding a, 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 finding a church home and then getting into a ministry to be able to serve. Hebrews chapter 5, uh, no, Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 23. Again, I'm going to read it out of the Amplifier. Verse 23, so let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and uh, cherish and confess and our knowledge of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure and faithful in his word. Let us consider and give attentive continue, and continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate and entice to love and help and to helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling together as a believer. That means, that's why you need to find a church. 
you're in Hebrews, go with me quickly to go back to or go forward to Hebrews chapter 13. Go to verse thir- uh, chapter f- 13, verse 17. So as we're strengthening our grip on our commitments this morning, when we're strengthening our grips on our love for God and, and, and strengthening our grips on our marriages and our singlehood, strengthening your grip on your, on your jobs, strengthening your grips on your children before your jobs, Strengthening your grip on your church activities. Your church activities should not substitute any of those first four gifts, uh, first four commitments. But verse 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you. For they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who have to to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness, not with sighing and groanings, for they would, for that would not be profitable to you either. As ministers of God, we are, we are held responsible to guide and help the spiritual walk of individual Christians. We are not here to live your life or control you. But the Bible says one of the thick commitments that we need to have as Christians is to get to that place where we find out that our fifth commitment is our commitment to our church and to the ministry. You may be called to serve anywhere in the body of Christ or anywhere in the world. It may be in your neighborhood. It may be in your school or your business or even in the hospital or in the community. But there's a place that God has called you, but it is fifth on the list. It is not first. You don't spend all your time in church. You balance your life out because you have a life. Repeat after me. Say, I have a life outside the church and inside the church. There's a balance. And so this morning when we talk about commitments, we're talking about getting our grip back on commitments. We're talking about if we keep the right orders and the right priorities, God will be able to give us or get us to the place where he wants us to be. But we have, we have to, first of all, be committed to God. As the worship team make their way back up here, let, let, let me wrap this up. This commitment, it may not be for all of us. There was a rich ruler and that came to Jesus and Jesus said to him finally, he says, the Bible says in loving him, he says to the rich ruler, um, there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything and come and follow me. And the rich ruler walked away because he, wouldn't, he couldn't make the commitment. So you say, Pastor Henry, what, 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 what would this kind of commitment cost me? It will cost you everything. A commitment to God will cost you everything. The final scripture I'm going to give you, and we'll close it up right here. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. A commitment to live for God, a commitment to your spouse, 
a commitment to your children, a commitment to your job, a commitment to your church. The cost of keeping that, that balance there, it will cost you everything. Verse 23 of Luke chapter 9 says this. Jesus began and says, and he said to all, he said to all, hint, he said to all of them, if any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interests. Refuse and give up himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, cleaving steadfastly to me, conforming wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying. The world is getting darker and it's getting harder. If you and I are not willing to make certain commitments, it won't be too long until the world will pull us back. But if you and I will say to ourselves, you know what? I've tried everything. I've tried everything. And as God is my help, I choose to make a commitment to do it his way. I went to watch a movie with my friend the other day about the Navy, Navy SEALs. I think it's Act of Valor or something. I think it's Act of Valor. And the commander just before they went on the mission had his men around him. And this is what he said to them. You need to make sure that your house is in order before we go into battle. Because once we get into battle, I need you fully focused on the mission. And I thought to myself, that's what God that is what God is calling for us to do. You and I will never be able to fulfill the plan of God for our lives and be the influence in the world that the world, that God wants us to be until we first have our house in order until we first put God in his right place until we first have a, 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 a bold and aggressive commitment to God until we're committed to our spouse until we're committed to our children until we're committed to our jobs until we're committed to our church you won't be able to stay focused to the mission that God has called you to and the commander went on to say to his men when you are not focused people die when you and I are not focused listen to me with your spiritual ears when you and I are not focused as Christians people die but not only do they die naturally you got me 
they die spiritually. Because we didn't have our house in order. And we won't focus on the mission. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? It's one of those messages that messed me up when I was preparing it. Because I started questioning all my commitments again. I started going all over my commitments and saying, God, am I really committed? Am I, first of all, am I really committed to you? Am I going to be committed to this call until death do I, do I, till I die? Or am I going to let someone tick me off one of these days and now walk away from God and walk away from the ministry and walk away from everything? Because I lost focus on the mission and people die. Whether it's in the area of being committed to God, whether it's in the area of being committed to your spouse, whether it's in the area of being committed to your children, whether it's in the area of being committed to your job or to your church. We need to strengthen our grip this morning. So what this is what I'm going to have you do. I want everyone to come up front here. Make your way, make your way up front. Let's move. Make your way up front. This is one of those messages that I don't want you to point and look at anybody else. Don't, don't want you to look at anybody else. All I want you to do this morning, just come up, don't kneel down, just come all the way up. Move all the way up. Come closer. Come closer. Come real close. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you here longer than you need to. Because the reality, of, the reality is this. Only the Spirit of God can do what I'm talking to you about. I can yell and scream. I can say whatever I want. If the Spirit of God does not do the work in your heart, it won't happen. Do, do you understand me? Can, can we lower that one minute? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? All I'm doing is presenting the Word of God to you, but listen to me carefully. If the Spirit of God does not do it in your life, let me take you one step further. If you don't allow the Spirit of God to do it in your life, it won't happen. That's why I'm a big proponent of allowing the Spirit of God to do what the Spirit of God does best. And so you've heard the five commitments this morning. You may say, Pastor, I lack in one of those commitments. Pastor, I lack in all those commitments. But I'm not here to point the finger at you. I'm here to be able to come with you and say, guys, listen to me carefully. All of us, all of us have to strengthen that commitment again. All of us have to strengthen our grip on those commitments again. The goal of us here as ministers is not to tell you how wretched you are. Because anytime we tell you how wretched you are, we can tell ourselves how wretched we are. We are all unwretched, if that's a word. Do you understand? That's why we're here to spur each other on. That's why we're here to encourage each other and strengthen each other and challenge each other. So that together we strengthen our grip and so that together we finish the mission and go home. So that when we get around the banquet table, we can be able to wink at each other and say, hey guys, we made it. We made it. So all I want you to do this morning is just bow your heads. And 
whatever error you just need to be recommitted to, whatever error that needs to be strengthened, whatever error that you need to be able to go back and talk to friends and family and everything else like that, just recommit this morning to allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work in your heart. And then go back home and start to put things in the right order. It's God, your spouse, your children, your job, your church. Father, in the name of Jesus, we all stand here loving you with all our hearts and saying father there are areas in our lives that we've put the wrong commitments in the wrong order help us to strengthen our grip again and put these commitments in the right order help us to love you with all our hearts to love your word and to practice it help us to love our spouses our wives and our, and our husbands help us to love our kids give us the patience and the time to train them in the admonitions of the Lord help us to be able to find work Lord, anyone in this church right now that doesn't have a job and is looking for a job, I pray right now that you will supply that job. I pray for those that have lost their jobs, Father. I thank you that they are no less a Christian than, than they, when they were, when they had a job. I thank you, Father, that they are still heads of their homes. I thank you, Father, that they're still wives that are cherished and, and precious to their families. I thank you, Lord, that you will provide work for everyone in this room that wants to work. As they go out and seek a job, may the favor of the Lord go before them. May they find favor where they go. And I thank you, Father, that anyone that calls Bethlehem, Assembly of God, their home, that they will find work as they go out this week looking. And then, Father, I thank you for every Christian in this place. That they will find their place. Their place of ministry in this church. And serve in the church and out of the church. To the glory of your name. And so, Father, we stand here to make this commitment this morning. 